Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... What's your thoughts on beer? And I said to him, oh, well, actually, when I studied my master's, there was research to suggest that anything under, I think it was 4% alcohol, is really good as a rehydration drink because it's got wow. sugars in it, it's got liquid in it. Um, and he absolutely loved me from that point on. Is there any chance you'd be able to stretch to a 4.5? <laughs> Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. It is indeed the Running With Jake podcast with me, your host, Jake Lowe, your running coach, your motivator. We have Pete, the producer, on hand in the studio today. Not with me, obviously, still social distancing. Very important. I do miss you, man. It will be good to get up back into the East Midlands and do some recording together at some point. But we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're talking all about nutrition. This is massive. Man, it gives me a headache just thinking about it. It's such a broad subject. And I think there's some real fundamental principles that many of us do get wrong. So we're going to be speaking to a nutritionist a little bit later on the show today. We are, yeah, she was absolutely great and it's great that we're uh, that we're sitting comfortably as well. I mean, you're sitting comfortably aren't you, Jake? Oh, man. I mean, did, <laughs> have I, have I, did I mention that I, did I not mention this, Pete? Did I mention that? I've got a new chair. I've got a new office chair. It's a new podcast chair. Jake gets a new podcast chair, and all I've got on my phone, uh, my entire camera roll, is full of videos of you demonstrating the chair in different environments and situations. Like today, we're doing a little... Uh, little. Uh, I can see you on the screen, you're on the video, and I call you up, and you, 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 your camera's completely blank, and I'm going, Jake, 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 like this. And it's actually framed on the back of your chair. And then what happens... <laughs> is Jake slowly turns around in his chair to face me like some kind of a James Bond baddie and then tells me... I've been expecting you, Mr. Bond. ...that he expects me to die. <laughs> I don't expect you to die. Look, I'm absolutely loving this chair. I mean, this this show is all about health, right? Physical, mental health. We want to help you running, want to motivate you. We know that running is only one piece of the jigsaw and we can do lots of things outside of our running to help our health. And one of the things is man sitting comfortably. Because I'm not used to it. I'm, I'm spending... Look, I, I come from a personal, personal training background. I'm flying around the gym and I'm motivating people and I'm demonstrating exercises whereas now I'm like anchored to a chair a lot of the time because a lot of what I do is online as you know and, and, and recording the podcast and stuff and yeah I was getting a sore backside lower back wasn't good man but check this bad boy out this I is know. just awesome <laughs> and, and do you know what it. do you know what it, it's, it's self reclining so there's no knobs and switches I don't need to mess about check this out check this I don't know check how this. it works look at that look can you still hear me I'm yeah, reclining How? I'm at the back yeah, but did you see the headrest came to meet me? I didn't have to meet the headrest. The headrest came to me. Watch again. Look, 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 look. Oh, man. Oh, that's a good chair. But I don't get it. How does it self-recline? How does it, how does it know how far back you want to go? I don't know. It's something to do with ergonomics and brushed aluminium frame, and I don't know. Man, that is almost as good as the chair of Stephen Hawkins. It's almost that good. It's, 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 it's on par. It's on it par, is, I'll be yeah. honest. Does it talk for you? Can you get it to talk for you? It doesn't talk for you, but in fact, it's almost like you That's don't have shame. to press any buttons or anything to recline it, so it's almost like a lazy version of a lazy boy. It's a bit right. weird, but I absolutely <laughs> love it. This is the best purchase ever. In fact, I'm going to do the whole show from this point onwards in a reclined position. This is Running With Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. Oh, man, just chill. Stop it, there. Jake. You're, you're off mic. Come back. Jake! Jake! Running with Jake, the podcast. Your weekly dose of running motivation. Out every Wednesday. Never miss an episode by subscribing now.
Right now on the show, we are going to tackle a massive subject. I'm so excited about this. This is, of course, your weekly dose of running motivation. We're pulling out all the stops here. We want to talk about one of the areas that causes runners, I think, the most confusion, I think I'm right in saying, and that is nutrition, and specifically sports nutrition, kind of general nutritional advice, but also how to fuel your runs, your races, what to take during your runs, how to recover afterwards. It's a total minefield. We're talking to an expert right now. Now we've got Sophie Heath on. Sophie is a nutritionist, personal trainer, got a master's in sports nutrition. Good to speak to you, Soph. Hello, nice to speak to you. This is just a massive subject. What were you thinking when you were planning on what to study? <laughs> Just I don't know. Mad. I'm a bit of a geek, I must admit. <laughs> do you know, am, am I right in saying that? Do you think in your expertise and your experience, Sophie, is it, is it kind of a... Does it cause runners a lot of a lot of confusion and chaos, the whole world of nutrition, what to eat, when to eat, that kind of stuff? You meet some people that are, like, really obsessed with it um, and, you know, almost read into it too much and they don't really know where to get their information from. And that's part of the problem is that there's so much information out there and people don't really know how to pick through it. Um, but then there's some people that don't think about nutrition at all and it's not part of their race strategy or anything. Um, and that's where things go wrong. <laughs> Covering some of the basics, so tell me a little bit more about macronutrients. For those people that aren't totally clear on the role that proteins, fats and carbohydrates play, and of course we can get really deep into this subject and there's lots to talk about, but just as a bit of an overview for people that aren't really sure, what are the yeah. roles of those three nutrients? Okay, so um, carbohydrate is basically your fuel source. So the majority of um, the time when we're exercising, we're using carbohydrates. Um, and now the body only has a limited amount of this. The body can only kind of fuel itself for about 90 minutes to um, two hours um, with that stores of carbohydrates. So it is a limited store, but generally carbohydrates are used for fuel. Um, it does have all the uh, other health benefits. So a lot of carbohydrate foods um, can be beneficial for things like sleep, um, giving you good fiber, which is important for gut health. And it does provide other nutrients as well. Um, but generally, carbohydrate is seen mostly as fuel, especially for your brain. Um, with regards to protein, this is like the building block of the body. So our muscles are predominantly made of protein. Um, same with our bones, our skin. So our skin is renewed every two weeks. Our muscles are completely renewed every two months. So in, in terms of that, we need to keep um, replenishing uh, our body with protein. So it is the, the key building block. And that is really important, especially for recovery. Um, and then we've got fat, that's the other uh, main macronutrient. So fat is um, another fuel source. So we tend to use this more in lower intensity um, exercises or long duration exercise. So it can be a really important fuel during endurance races. Um, and it also provides some really important um, benefits to the body. For example, it makes um, some really important hormones and it also transports um, fat soluble vitamins around the body. So that's... Um, a, D, E and K. So it helps to transport them. So fat is actually um, extremely essential in the body. And uh, a lot of people kind of shy away from fats and carbs these days as well. Um, but they all play important roles. And they're called macronutrients because basically they make up the majority of the energy in the diet. Um, but it's worth noting that there are things called micronutrients as well, which is mainly your um, vitamins and your minerals. And they are super important as well so you don't have them as much um in as big quantities but they play some really important roles in the body 
And, and what would you say is kind of a, I guess, a starting point? I mean, I know you're a personal trainer as well, Sophie, and people that want to get into running, want to get into fitness and exercise, that's probably their first the first thing in their mind they're probably not thinking about nutrition at this stage it's right i've got to create a healthy habit of exercise i've got to get out there and run three times a week or or whatever at what point do you think it's a good idea to start to think about your nutrition and where's a good place to start well to be honest with you i'm quite a simple person and i like to approach nutrition in the same way um I just believe in listening to your body and being quite intuitive. So I have actually um, studied intuitive eating and it's all about listening to what makes you feel good. That might be that you start learning that actually after having a Domino's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that and I love a Domino's every now and then, um, but after having Domino's, you feel a bit sluggish and the next day you wake up and you're running and you just don't feel great you know your tummy might hurt and you just start to piece these things together you start to learn that certain foods make you feel a bit rubbish and actually make you perform a little bit worse whereas there's other foods that make you feel good you're you know you're hitting your pbs after and i think it's just about taking a step back and not getting too bogged down with the detail and actually just looking at what you enjoy to eat and what makes you feel good and just start there and and, and start doing a little bit of reading around the subject. Um, but on the whole, I think people just need to, to approach it quite simply and have a good balance, a good array of um, colour on their plate, a good array of different types of foods. Um, for example, you know, making sure you get a bit of carbohydrate, a bit of protein, a bit of fat with each meal um, and looking at colour for the vitamins and minerals. And and that's it, really. <laughs> it's very simple. I've done a whole degree in master's degree, well, two master's degrees, lots of courses. And actually, it always comes back down to the same thing. It's all about balance. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, the pre-run. So we're talking here general pre-run I guess because that's also before a race you can be testing race rehearsals right now this is a good opportunity with this extra time we've been given if we look at it as an opportunity and thinking about our training runs as well you know what do we need to eat before what are some of the things that you would suggest that people consider obviously it's about finding what works for them as we know but how would you guide that self-discovery I guess so are there things about surrounding perhaps the timings of when to eat before they run? Would you have some suggestions Mm -hmm. on that? What to eat? What are your thoughts? As I was saying before, it is all about kind of being sensible, being intuitive and things like that. But sports nutrition is is very well studied. So there are guidelines. (laughs) Um, So it's about kind of utilising those guidelines and then finding what fits for you. So um, with regards to before exercise, so carbohydrate is is predominantly the main fuel that we use um, and the stores are limited so if you're going to be doing um, a long run um, you want to kind of well even a short run actually (laughs) you want to make sure that you're maximizing the amount of energy that you have before so um, carbohydrate is probably the main thing that you should should be focusing on Um, but in general as long as you have a mixed meal so um you know using carbohydrates proteins fats about three or four hours beforehand then you know that you're going to have a decent amount of stores in in your body Um, and then it's about focusing more on um, different types of carbohydrates so um, i'm not sure if you've ever heard of glycemic index i'm sure there's quite a lot of people that have um, and maybe some that haven't so it's basically a measure of how quickly the body digests the carbohydrate and releases it um, the energy into the bloodstream 
So low GI foods are released slowly um, and they tend to be more things uh, with higher fibre, so things like um, oats and whole grains. Um, And then higher GI foods are things that um, release energy into the body quicker. So they're things like... um, a very ripe banana, for example, um, and more sugary um, foods. So it's a really good idea to um, focus on lower GI foods um, earlier on, so a few hours before. And now that can be difficult if you're doing a morning run, so we can discuss that a bit um, later on. But um, then focusing sooner, closer to the run, you want to be focused on on, um, higher GI stuff, so you get that energy quicker. So you could have something like a piece of white bread with... um, some honey slathered onto it that would be quite a quick release um food so looking at different types of carbohydrates um is really good and then obviously you want to also be focusing on hydration um so having uh you know about a pint a few hours before and then having um i don't know between 125 mils and 250 mils in closer proximity to the race or the run just to make sure that your hydration levels are uh, optimized before you start so this this is obviously important to practice, as you say, your race strategy before, because some people get on well with higher fibre foods, some people don't. <laughs> um, and actually nerves come into, into play as well, which is always difficult to practice. But it's important to find what works for you. Um, and as you're saying, you know, lockdown is the perfect time to do it. We don't have any races, but we can get out for long runs and we can practice eating different foods before and see see what makes us feel good and see what makes us hit a PB, I guess. <laughs> I mean, how great is that? Well, I tell you, you're talking about latherings of uh, honey on toast there. That, that, that makes my soul feel good just thinking yeah. about it, actually. It sounds <laughs> no, awesome. I, I want to eat that and go out for a run. Listen, you're talking <laughs> about hydration here and... and you know, we know it's important and there's guidelines, but they're a little bit vague, aren't they, from my understanding? It's it's not kind of one size fits all as we, we keep referring to. Yeah. It, what's the good measure here? Is it the classic of just checking the colour of your pee when you go to the toilet? Is that good enough? Do you need to, do you need to take things further and start looking at urine tests to know exactly how hy- hydrated you are? What, what would you suggest? To be honest, no, I, I would go with the former. So just looking at... Um, not only the colour, unless you've had beetroot, that can throw you off <laughs> off a little bit, but generally looking at the colour, whether it's dark, meaning you're a little bit dehydrated, or very pale, meaning you might even be more than hydrated, but... Um, also looking at the volume um so if you're not going very frequently or in not great quantities then you you perhaps need to drink a bit more um whereas if you're kind of getting up to go to the loo every 10 minutes then you need you might you know need to rein it in a little bit and might not need that much um and that is really the the most basic but probably the the most useful measure um and the most simple one and i think um with the tests and things you know people can get a little bit carried away with exact quantities one one simple other measure that you can do is if you're going for an endurance run you can weigh yourself before and after and generally speaking if you've lost say for example a kilogram of um of body weight the only thing that you've done is is lose glycogen stores and water um so it's it's quite a crude measurement but about one kilogram of um, body weight loss is approximately one liter of fluid loss it gives you a little bit of a guide about how much hydration you tend to lose um, and you can use that then um, to help rehydrate you after as well or know how much you should drink roughly on the run we're looking at one kilo of body weight so a reduction of one kilo is how yeah. much in hydration 
about one litre of fluid. Okay, about one litre. Now, if somebody was to test this, and this is something I've never done, by the way, and and Mm -hmm. I've read stuff on this, and I've never actually tested my hydration in terms of how much hydration I've I've lost, if you like, or used during a run. If somebody was to go and test this, presumably they would test this in a shorter run rather than a long run, because I'm guessing here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in order for this to be as accurate as it can as a test, you can't then hydrate during the run because that would negate the measurement afterwards. You would need to do it as a test um, and not take on volume. Uh, so what, any, like a 60-minute run, this, this this kind of thing? Say a 60-minute yeah. run when, you, when the conditions aren't sort of super scorching because obviously people perhaps need to take on a little bit more hydration. Yes, then. exactly. Weigh yourself before, yeah. weigh yourself afterwards and for every kilo you're looking at a litre, a litre of sweat. Great. So, if you, so you obviously have to do it naked because your body might... Um, well, the but run? Your clothes will absorb... No. Not the run. <laughs> I mean, you My can gosh. if you want. I'm happy <laughs> about that. That makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in your own back garden. Um, but, <laughs> but you need to, yeah, weigh um, before and after naked because your clothes will obviously absorb some of the water and, and get heavier. Um, and uh, it's important to note as well that so when you're looking to rehydrate, so if you're just using this as a rehydration protocol, then yeah. you want to actually um, use 150% of what you've lost. So okay. again, for simplicity, if you're looking at a litre of loss, then you want to have a litre and a half over that time. That's a lot. So you want to be looking at going over and above um, in that if you're having it in a short time period, because if you're taking on, say, a pint of water in one go, your body tends to excrete some of it. Um, It can't kind of cope with all that in one go. So um, that's important to note. (laughs) Are there any benefits to to fasted running? There's a lot of talk about this, isn't there? You know, kind of people that want to reduce body fat. So people that are perhaps more aesthetics driven, it could be health, just generally health conscious, of course. Uh, Yeah consider doing training sessions in the morning with, with, you know on a fasted state an empty stomach there's some uh, people out there that talk about running fasted will also help you to become slightly better at using fat as yeah. a fuel source what's your thoughts on on that i find from a personal point of view i like fasted running um but i would always say similar to i'm like a broken record similar to nutrition it's all about uh, balance and doing things uh, you know mixing things up there is definitely some research to suggest um, that fat oxidation is um, optimised if you train in a in a um, fasted state. Um, however, and you, you just explain fat oxidation for those people that don't know. So yeah, sure. So um, say for example, you're doing a marathon and you um, are approaching. Um, the point at which your body is starting to utilize more fat um, as a fuel, uh, that is when your body is kind of oxidizing, basically just means breaking down um, your fat store to use it as a fuel. So when you're um, in the fasted state, you have less of that carbohydrate or glycogen um, storage. So your body is using fat more as a fuel. So it's basically just um, practicing it, I guess. So it's quite interesting and there is some research to suggest that the fat oxidation does get better. Um, However, whether that actually leads to changes and um, increases in performance is a little bit grey. But what I think is that one of the reasons that this might be the case is actually that when you're training in the fasted state, the perceived exertion is a lot higher, so it feels a lot harder. You tend to not be able to work at quite the same intensity, so um, you probably lower the intensity, so you know you, you kind of get tired quicker. 
<laughs> basically. Um, so that can then negatively impact your training. So that's the reason why I say to mix it up because actually if you're going to do, um, say, five runs across the week, it might be beneficial to do, you know, one or two of them in the morning before breakfast. You might want to do a practice run on the weekend where you're having an early breakfast, waiting a couple of hours and going out for a long run. And then you might do a couple, um, you know, in the evening, like some training sessions when you've been fueled for most of the day. Um, and I think that way you're getting the benefits of everything. There's a lot to think about here, isn't there? I mean, I, I love that <laughs> about running. I have to say, while it's frustrating because we want the black and white approach in some respects, yeah. we want to just know, look, if I do this, am I going to achieve this? Just tell me yes or no, man. Come on. And we can't yeah. do that. But actually, I love the grey because it gives you more yeah. to think about, get your teeth into. It makes it more exciting when you do cross the line and you achieve your goal, whatever it may be. It yeah. makes that reward even greater because you've gone through that whole process of self-discovery and maybe yeah. had the issues, the things that haven't worked for you and the good runs, the bad runs, etc., etc. Now, look, talking yeah. about the runs themselves, because you touched earlier on carbohydrates uh, storage being mm-hmm. 90 minutes, 90 to 90 minutes to two hours, I think you yeah. you, you said. So you'll mm-hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your body, you consume these carbohydrates, your body stores it as glycogen energy and the yeah. muscles ready to use when you need it. Now, if yeah. we're talking about 90 minutes, let's say, mm-hmm. that you can uh, run for without needing to take any carbohydrates on. Generally speaking, if you're doing a run or exercise of over an hour, um, and it's intense, then you want to be looking at taking something on board. So you don't really want to get to that 90 minutes and run out. <laughs> so I think that's why, you know, anything over an hour, you want to look at getting something on board. If a run is less than 45 minutes, you don't really need to worry. What you have in your body will get you through. Between 45 minutes and, and an hour, um, there's actually research to suggest that um, a mouth rinse is enough. So I don't know if you've heard about this. You probably yeah, have. Yeah, I've but, heard about um, this. Yeah. Is yeah. It, it's like a psychosomatic it, type stuff. It's like a, almost like a placebo effect, or is there actually some genuine benefit to it? Well, there, there is um, suggestions that there's um, carbohydrate receptors in the mouth that your brain um, taps into. So it, you're, it's almost as if your brain, kind of like a placebo effect, your brain is is expecting carbohydrates. Um, so it kind of make, it keeps it happy for that little bit extra. <laughs> so, so just to clarify, clarify, this is if you swill like a, a carbohydrate drink, for example, around yes. your mouth, you don't actually yes. swallow it and then you I suppose you spit, you spit it, out. it out. So you don't yes. swallow it, but actually there is some performance benefit there potentially. Yeah. What's your thoughts on gels? Come on, let's talk about gels. Are they good? <laughs> Are they bad? Let's let's tackle this. I'll go through the pros and cons, I think, because that's the best Please way. do. Um, <laughs> so, to put it out there, I use the occasional gel, but only for races. And when I say races, I mean like big races, so like a, a half marathon. In terms of the pros, they the reason that they are great is because they're quick. (laughs) So you don't really need to do any chewing. You literally just kind of um, squeeze them into your mouth and swallow and you've got the energy. So they're very quick to administer. They're easy to eat, as I say, and you get the carbohydrate in there fast. So when we're running, um, if we're running for over an hour, your body can take on between 60 and 90 grams of of sugar. Generally speaking, on the whole, about 60 grams per hour is what you need to refuel if you're doing a really long um, endurance run. Okay, so 60, 60 grams, grams per hour. Yeah, and that is a lot if mm. you think about food. So, for example, to put it into perspective, 
uh, a large banana could have about 30 grams of carbohydrate. So that would be having a large banana every half an hour in an endurance run. I mean, that's a lot, isn't it? That feels like a lot. It's pretty tricky. (laughs) Um, A slice of bread, for example, has about 20. So you slather it in honey, you might get 30 in that. So if you're going to do it by food only, it's quite tricky. Um, Perhaps if you're on a bike ride, it might be a different story. It's a lot easier to eat on the bike. But for runners, it is quite hard to eat. The benefit of gels is that there's no other nutrients in there. So it is literally specifically designed um, to give you fast-released sugars. The cons are lots of people, um, like lots of people, (laughs) have come to me and told me that they just do not get on with them and their tummy cannot handle them. And I think that's probably because of the fact that they are just sugar. Um, So the body, it kind of goes through them, (laughs) a lot of people. And is it the concentration level as well of these these gels? I mean, I know a lot of them will say on on the packets and the literature will say, look, you know, consume X amount of water with with each gel, presumably because they're so concentrated to to make that, that amount of carbohydrate in such a small packet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they're extremely concentrated. And also they quite often, you know, they come in all sorts of different flavours. And actually those, some people don't really get on with like the sweeteners and, you know, the flavourings and things like that. They they can cause a bit of tummy trouble for some people as well. Even if you're doing like a plod and you're not really worried about what time you're getting, then actually, if you think about it, you will still be using some fats. And, And it's also important to think about protein during sometimes because if you're doing a really long endurance run, your body is breaking down protein um, and you want to replenish that after. So having something a little bit more nutritious um, can be a good thing on really long um, runs. So if you were doing a trail run, for example, um, you know, an ultra marathon, you you would not be able to survive on just gels. You know, you'd need to get some fats in there. You'd need to get some protein in to look after your muscles. Um, So they're definitely not the be all and end all. Actually, one of my... Um, my the worst kind of things that I see is when people have gels for like a park run because you know it's just you you just don't need it <laughs> and um, even a 10k for for the I, I don't I don't know what the average time for a 10k is but I imagine a lot of people run it under an hour um, maybe or an hour um, and in that instance it, it you know you, you don't need to take anything on board as long as you've had a, a decent fuel beforehand so I would say if you're going to use them uh practice with them and find out what one works for you what flavor you like um which one makes you feel great and um practice 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 and then use that um only that for races i've been listening to this this really really interesting stuff sophie and obviously uh, my yeah. running journey has only just started and you said then yeah. that you're not happy about um carb gels for part runs and, and really short runs how are yeah. you with hot dogs on a 5k i've got to check i just need to check <laughs> i mean it sounds great <laughs> I, I, that's that's all i need that's a, that's a proper nutritionist i've i've heard about the qualifications uh hot dogs on short runs are good that's, that's all i need sophie is clearly trying to keep the producer happy i can tell that's her game here let's keep the producer happy so he makes me sound good on the podcast i know exactly what's happening here when i started um so i've done a bit of work in the industry um in the food industry and work for kind of like a whey protein company and um currently working for a company called cymex nutrition who do um all sorts of sports nutrition products and um when i first started one of the top directors came up to me on a bike ride and said 
so what, what's your thoughts on beer? And I said to him, oh, well, actually, when I studied my master's, um, we did, there was uh, research to suggest that anything under, I think it was 4% alcohol, um, is really good as a rehydration drink because it's got wow. sugars in it. It's got, high, you know, it's got liquid in it. Um, and he absolutely loved me from that point on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The only problem, could you, is there any chance you'd be able to stretch to a 4.5? <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as you're not on 8%. I've got to check, because normally, I'll be honest, I'm at that point in life where um, when I'm picking beer, I look at the alcohol content, and if it's under 4, I go, no, I'm not going to bother. Yeah, (laughs) what's the point? Maybe that says too much about my life, I don't know. (laughs) So, have you got any alternatives to gels that, from, I guess, your own uh, perspective or your own priority, really, interest, you know, what do you like to take that's that's not a gel and uh, any suggestions that you have that people can think about? You can get, like, dried strawberries and things like that. So, they're basically, like, very concentrated um, and you get... It's almost like natural sweets in a way um so they're very concentrated so you get a lot of sugar in them so things like raisins dried strawberries um dried apricots dates they're they're all quite good for concentrated forms of sugar if you want something natural um and also with that you can make um energy balls so you could uh, if you're you know doing endurance obviously you are using some fats as well so you could um make like dried fruit with um, nuts or seeds or coconuts something like that and a little bit of honey um so you can make uh you know small energy balls that you can quickly pop in your mouth um and if you're more of a sweetie person then of course um jelly babies <laughs> people love them but at the same time that's kind of just the same as having an energy gel it's just sugar at the end of the day do you know i am all in to protein energy balls at the moment it's my new thing in fact i'm gonna set send me your address after the show and i'll send you yeah. a couple of my protein balls you'll love them oh, honestly amazing. they're amazing do you know what I don't, I don't know if they travel well to be honest but I, what we should do Pete, is i'll put the recipe on the show notes page so runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and you can go and check out the recipe these are peanut butter and chocolate uh, protein balls. Now, they sound like they're a bit heavy. They sound a bit luxurious, you know. It's a bit like, well, this isn't a good running fuel. Honestly, they're absolutely amazing. They're really easy to digest. So we should share a few recipes if you have any. Have so you got any recipes for yeah. burgers at all? Burgers, anybody? <laughs> oh, God. I mean... <laughs> I actually probably do on my Instagram somewhere. Oh, great, great. Right, I'm on there. <laughs> well, Sophie's obviously into beer as well, so that clearly works quite well. <laughs> so let's talk about you, you get back from your run, you've fueled it well, you've, you've practised all the stuff, you're good with your hydration you've had a great run people talk about this optimum window don't they and there's a bit of a gray area here i'd be interested to hear what the latest research and suggestion is on this but how soon should people eat after a a a run let's say a long run the classic long run there's perhaps some people listening to the show now doing their long run so how soon should people eat and what sort of things should they consider it's all dependent on um, how many sessions you're doing in the week. So actually, the window of opportunity, as they call it, <laughs> um, is is about a few hours. And the research from that comes from a place of like protein synthesis, so um, and glycogen replenishment. So. It, it basically suggests that within a few hours, that's when your muscles are working at their best. Um, to replenish the energy in your muscles and also to kind of repair your muscles, so carbohydrate and protein. So that's why you want to kind of um, make sure that you've got those fuels to help that replenishment. However, 
it, as I say, it depends on when your next session is, so and how often you do, you run through the week. If you're doing um, even run one run a day at the same time of day, as long as you've got about 24 hours of recovery, having a balanced meal within the next few hours, for example, is enough. You want to be focusing on the quality of that meal, of course. So um, as I said earlier, protein is uh, the building block and it's really important for muscle recovery. So you want to be looking at getting a portion of protein from that uh, in that meal. So that might be um, a chicken breast or some grains if you're vegan. Um, then you want to also be looking at getting some carbohydrates to replenish your energy um, and some fats to replenish. Uh, generally, we, most people have enough fat storage, <laughs> um, but, you know, throw in some good fats for good measures in there. Um, and then also something that gets overlooked quite often is, is things like your vitamins and your minerals, because actually they play a really important part in, um, you know, as antioxidants and, and they can be really important for recovery as well. So generally speaking, just making sure you've got a balance of those macronutrients and some fruits and veg within your um, next meal, that is enough. Um, and of course, making sure that you, you drink plenty of fluids. Um, if you're looking at training twice a day or, for example, um, you train in the evening and you're looking to get up for a run in the morning, um, so generally speaking, if there's sort of less than eight hours um, of recovery time, that's when the window of opportunity needs to be optimised. So you want to be looking at getting that carbohydrate, um, a, a, a dollop of protein and um, focusing your rehydration a little bit sooner. So, um, you know, some people even, I mean, you've probably seen people walking around the gym with their protein shakes and things like that um so some people are, are basically have a snack in their bag ready to take something on board and quite often i think that actually is it, it, as long as you've got um a decent snack um with some carbohydrates and some proteins in that you're going to take on board like straight after training and then get home and have like a balanced meal that should be enough to kind of kick start the the recovery process and this optimum window, do we need to, if we've got a session coming up, let's say you are, the, the, there is somebody that's training twice a day, do they need to think about having refueling sooner? Does that window need to be slightly shorter? You mentioned two hours. So eat a balanced meal within two hours if, if you sort of have another session beyond the 24-hour period, you know, 24 hours later. But if it's nearer yeah. than that, do they need to be consuming it a bit earlier? I would say so just mainly for the fact that you just want to make sure you've got enough time to digest it, your body to absorb it, and your body to get to work. <laughs> um, sure. So, you, you know, you, you need to give your body a, a, enough time to actually do that recovery process. So the quicker you, you get the fuel in, the quicker it can and it can get going. Now, it's been absolutely awesome having you on the show, Sophie, talking to you all things sports nutrition. We know it's just a massive, massive subject to cover, but I can't let you go without <laughs> tackling at least a little bit the subject of something you've mentioned, uh, which is vitamins and, and minerals and, and really supplementation. And I know supplementation is kind of a subject in itself, and I appreciate that you're affiliated with a sports supplement company. But What's your thoughts on people taking supplements, uh, protein shakes, multivitamins, that kind of thing? It depends on the person and their diet. Um, generally speaking, supplements are what they are. Oh, oh, hang on, what, what's that phrase? Are what they say on the tin? No, I've got baby brain. <laughs> <laughs> She's got baby brain, yes. Are you running low on carbohydrates? Get the what? girl some glycogen. She needs two large bananas in an I hour. I actually haven't had my lunch yet. I'm getting hangry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got it. It's, it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> By the way, we're not editing that out. You realise that? We don't do edits on this show, you know. We just roll with it, baby, and see what happens. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I got them in the end. <laughs> 
<laughs> real life. So yeah, they, they are meant to be supplementing your diet. So if you are struggling to get um, vitamins, and that might be because you're traveling to do a marathon in a different country, and actually you're not quite sure about the food quality, or you, know, you haven't got um, that great quality food at your hotel, you might want to supplement with some multivitamins. But generally speaking, if you've got a good balanced diet, multivitamins absolutely you don't, you don't need as long as you're eating your, you know, five a day. On uh, the other hand, um, they're also about um, convenience. So um, I think even protein um, powder manufacturers would absolutely agree that you can get protein from um, other food sources and they recommend you have a balanced diet um, but what their products are about is convenience so you know if you are going to the gym or you've got that session um, you know on the track and it takes you sort of 45 minutes to get home and you're not and then you have to kind of cook your dinner and you've got to wait for your dinner to digest then actually having um, a protein shake um, or a smoothie with some protein powder in it is just about convenience and you know you can take it and, and put it in your sports bag so I think there's a place for them, but you don't always need them. Um, there are some circumstances that you do. Um, for example, if you're eating a vegan diet, you might want to look at, um, you know, there's some specific nutrients that you might want to make sure that you get in your diet. And if you can't um, look at supplements and also um, we're actually all recommended now to take vitamin D in the winter months. So 10 micrograms of vitamin D um, from October through to March, everyone, the whole population is recommended to take that um, just because we don't get enough sunlight in those months Sophie you've been smashing us with loads of knowledge bombs in this show it's just been absolutely <laughs> awesome we will link and summarise rather uh, all the points that you've made on the show notes page which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast so if people listen to the show want a bit of a recap no doubt maybe you're out there and you run at the moment thinking I can't write this down I need to stuff this, write this stuff down it's golden then you can go and check out the page there and get all of Sophie's tips uh, and I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on the show and not only that a massive welcome well done. I did see on your Facebook page, which we will link in the show notes, I had a sneaky look. It was a yeah. big day for you recently. Your first official run yeah. since a, a baby or pre-baby. It was about yeah. 16 months. And you've got something in common with our producer, Pete, here, Michael Johnson. You're both friends with Michael Johnson, oh, who is yeah, the coach you've got on the Couch <laughs> to 5K app. How's it going? It's great. Oh, it's it feels so good. It's been a long time coming. I've been able to um, do a bit of swimming. Swimming's actually, um, dare I say it on a running podcast, swimming is actually my sport, <laughs> my, my kind of number one. But I love running and there is no no comparison with that kind of post-run endorphin feeling. Um, you just don't get it anywhere else. And so I'm loving it and I can't wait to do more. <laughs> but I'm trying to be sensible. I can tell from the si the selfie that I saw on your page, you're beaming <laughs> ear to ear. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, on the show. We'll have to uh, keep track of how you're going with your couch to 5K. I'm sure you're yes, going to smash definitely. that and go on to other things. Have a great rest of the day, Sophie. We'll catch up soon. Thanks so much again. Thanks for having me. Bye. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and follow us on social media. It's hashtag Ask Jake, where we take one of your running-related questions, and Seb has messaged in, he's fairly new to running, and he wants to know if it's a good idea or not to throw his running shoes in the washing machine. Seb, 
back away from the washing machine, my friend. Do not do it at all costs. Now, look, I understand why you would want to. It's super convenient, right? But actually, your running shoes are an investment. You know, you want them to look after your feet, your ankles, your knees, your hips. Keep injury at bay. And a lot of research will suggest that if you do put them in the washing machine, it could affect the materials of the shoe so they don't perform as well as they should. So in all honesty, I would just leave them outside to dry, which is what I tend to do. If, you, if they're a little bit wet, I leave them outside to dry and then with quite a stiff brush, I give them a good rub down brush, get off all that loose soil, all that loose muck. And then if I really need to, I will wash them in just some warm, soapy water. Bit of washing up liquid in there is absolutely fine. Nothing too abrasive. And then just let them dry naturally. So no putting them, no putting them on the radiator. You could even use some newspaper, some old newspaper and stuff them inside. That really helps to absorb the moisture out quite quickly, which is useful if you need to run in them the following day. So stay away from the washing machine, look after your trainers and Nate will look after you. I hope that helps. Don't forget, if you have a question, it's hashtag AskJake. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Great to have your company. We'll see you back here next time. If you want to keep up to date with all the content from today's show, the show notes are on runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. You can head over there, check out the photos, the videos, any recipes from any of the things that we talk about on the show can all be found there. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the podcast. Oh, and one last thing. If someone tells you that you can't, they're showing you their limits, not yours. Yours.